0: We want to talk about prayer today. Uh, what's the difference between prayer and meditation? Meditation is absolute assumption that my Lord and I are the same. So we've been talking about the last three and a half days. We've been talking about the most powerful meditation is I am that. So we take off all these unnecessary masks, ego, income, nationality, passport, social security number. You take off all these masks. What's left is what brought you to life at the moment of inception, that force. And you bring it in. So in meditation, hamsa means I am already that. That's meditation. Prayer is a request for partnership. It's a request for oneness. So you can say prayer is the request for oneness. Meditation is oneness. You know, you can separate the two, not separate, but define the two like this. In prayer, you are sending up a signal that it is my privilege to be able to associate with you and collaborate with you. And as you know, the most powerful prayer is to send thanks for the fact that you're already alive. Thanks for the fact that the God force is already running through you. Uh, and, you know, the vast majority of the world, when they go into prayer, they're asking for things, you know. Anything from a Rolex to <laughs> girlfriend, <laughs> whatever. We're always asking, asking, asking. Very few people are saying, uh, I want to thank you for being there, and I want you in my life. And that's that's pretty much the the entire prayer. In terms of what language you use, First of all, language is not necessary because this force is made of consciousness. So the minute you just focus and want to talk to your best friend, the moment you want to talk to your best friend, already the prayer has begun because your best friend is made of consciousness. I was explaining to to Prashad how God is described in the scriptures. It's not a man with a beard wearing a garb. There is no hell with fire burning. None of that. Yoga literally describes the God force as a pulsation of energy that is very, very attuned to you and to consciousness. In other words, the composition of your Lord is consciousness. Therefore, the minute you... Think of that force, that force thinks of you. There's no need for word, you know, because some people say, well, you should be respectful towards your Lord uh, when you talk. And what I'm saying is talking is not even necessary. When you put your gaze on your heart and you think Mm -hmm. of your best friend, already the connection is made. A prayer is made up of four components, if you think about it. Number one is having the faith that you're going to be heard. If the God force is made of consciousness, and you give it a 15% chance that your prayer will be heard, then because the God force is made of consciousness, it knows that you're only seeing a 15% chance. Therefore, the force reacts in a 15% way. You see, what quantum physics says, what is so odd about our world, is that everything's coming back to you like a mirror. Everything. I went through a personal experience of this. When I was a single man living in Boston, every time I would write, because writing brings out the best in me, you know, I just feel really good. Every time I would write, And then I would go to Newberry Street to have a coffee. People would look at me, smile at me, and approach me. And this happened so many times. It was a one-to-one correlation. I would just need to sit down and write. My face would open up, it would be welcoming. And then if I would go to a cafe, people would approach. It was a one-to-one correlation. You have to see what that is in your life. What is it in you that opens you up and welcomes others to come and say hello to you. There's something, there's something that you do that opens you up. Your eyes change. Uh, Right now, your eyes have more light than yesterday because eyes, eyes change. I would say every 10 minutes your eyes are changing. You can have fearful eyes, you can have friendly eyes. Have you ever seen smiling eyes? It's very rare, a smile in the eyes. They say there's three types of laughter. One is this, one is in the heart, and the rarest one is in the eyes. It's a rare one, a smile in the eyes. So the four stages of prayer. Number one, because you're dealing with a quantum God, what you assume is going to be sent back to you. Therefore, faith. Faith is the assumption that we cannot be that separated, because I came from that force. That's stage one. Stage two is asking. I mean, when you're in prayer, you're asking. You might just ask to be with each other. You know, you're not maybe asking for dollars or anything. You're just asking. So the second stage is asking. Third stage is listening. Listening in prayer takes a special talent. In prayer, when you're listening, you're actually listening to the sound of silence to see if you can decipher something out of silence. Sometimes, I mean, you go out to downtown and a particular incident happens and you take that incident as the answer to your prayer. Or you see a newspaper article that's mentioning exactly what was in your prayer. So there there are external events also. But if you go to your place of worship, which could be the corner of your bedroom, and you pray, when you're listening, you're actually listening to the silence of your heart. And this takes training. The ability to listen to the silence of your heart takes a lot of training. Because the mind is saying, well, what what next? What do we do next? What are we listening? You know, how long are we going to sit and listen? That's what the mind does. Sometimes at the beginning of the meditation, after we finish oming, I ask you to plug your ears and listen to the inner om. So you're, how many of you hear something powerful when you, when you do this? If you listen very hard, that sound gets very loud the inner sound of silence can get very loud. So you have faith, step one, asking, step two, listening, step three, and then step four, for the ego is the hardest. If you hear some response, step four is, do you have the flexibility to follow what the voice of intuition prayer, and God say back to you. Step four is really the ultimate challenge for human beings. Thy will be done. In AA, there's a lot of stress on thy will be done, right? Uh, This is because in any kind of addiction, our ego becomes, goes into denial, number one, denial of the addiction. And then very stubborn and aggressive when it wants to pursue the addiction. And you take a cigarette smoker and say, well, there's one left in the pack. And then if you want to take that one away, they get very angry. So it's anything but surrender. These are the four stages. Have faith going into the prayer. Ask listen in the silence of your heart and then (laughs) have the strength to obey that voice. Those of you who do have an invisible best friend and you talk to this best friend, uh, to what degree can you obey any intuition being given to you by this best friend? The way this goes is like this. Uh, You pray with some faith, and then an answer comes. When the answer comes, you develop more faith. As you develop more faith, you manifest even more. As you manifest even more, the faith goes up even more. You can see the snowball effect. You begin with faith, you manifest, manifestation creates faith, more faith creates more manifestation. Snowball effect. Uh, you could, by the way, if, you're, if you love prayer and you're eager to create prayer into your daily routine, you could create a, a notebook, like a journal, a diary of prayer. And what a prayer diary does, you just jot down what some of your prayers have been in the past. And then jot down your own impressions of what the God forces reactions have been to your prayers. You know, Ideally, you want to do this in a positive way. In other words, you just keep memoirs of your prayers and how they've been answered. Or whether you've been reluctant to follow, listen and follow, or not. So it's just a diary. It's a personal diary of your prayer. That's what it is. The language of the God force is not human language. So what all of us humans are doing is trying to master the language of the God force. And then it's not the same language for each individual. Some of you have inner physical feelings, and when you have that inner physical feeling, you know that this has something to do with divine signals, because you become familiar with them. Some of you feel it in emotions, some of you feel it in your body, some of you know which types of incidents are signals. For example, in my life, every time i pushed really hard for something, and it just doesn't happen, practicality aside. To me, that's always been the language of the God force. When I push even 50% and no doors open, that's the way that force talks to me. It's one of the ways that's very common in my life. And you're not going to insult a quantum energy field. So you say, we are one, and you have no right Not to answer me back. (laughs) Yeah, it's you. It's you talking to your own essence. What have we been doing in meditation? The only thing we've been doing in meditation is peeling off the extra noise. When I say mistaken identity, I don't want to hypnotize you so that you hate yourself. It's just some extra layers: my job, my income, my Mercedes, my pride by racial prejudice, blah, blah, blah. All this stuff is noise. When we take off these masks, the mind has nothing to say, and you immediately go into deep meditation. When you end the stories, the mind has nothing more to say. That's what happens when we take these layers off. But you know, the challenge is for a newer student, the challenge is even believing that these are masks. They'll put up a big fight. What do you mean, mask? I like my name. What mask? I'm not a liar. This is the big struggle in the beginning. Not relating to the force that originally breathed through you. That's how you turn on the faucet to grace. In terms of praying, I'll also say, you cannot pray at the expense of others. So, you know, if you pray that somebody be killed, If you pray, let's say, uh, we had a young, handsome 20-year-old, and he learned Om. This is back home. So he would go to Tajrish Square, which is one of our big, crowded squares, and he would stand behind pretty girls and say, Om. (laughs) (laughs) He, he, He wanted to draw them to himself. And what I'm saying is, Prayer doesn't work that way because if the girl doesn't want to come to you, then your prayer is not going to force the issue. And not pray to feed the masks and the ego. In other words, if we're praying to bring, let's say, something material, if we're asking, 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 we're feeding the masks instead of the essence. The purest prayer is what an honor for me. To have five minutes with my source, what an honor to be able to talk. Nothing else. You know, I mean, either thanks or what an honor to have 30 seconds time that we can dialogue with each other. That would be the purest. Because there you're feeding the source. Or, what can I do for you? You know, it's like, You've done so much for me, what can I do for you? You can ask this question in meditation, by the way. You can sit in meditation and say, you know, what will Kriya Yoga do for me versus Maharishi's TM? But if you flip this around, you take off all the masks at the beginning of the session, put your forehead down, and say, like this morning, you can say, Dear Lord, what can I do for you in this meditation? You reverse things. And then you see your your energy in meditation will change. Instead of looking for results of Kriya Yoga, you give yourself to the Lord through Kriya Yoga. If you get used to your purest identity being a breath that goes in and out of you, the real essence, even beyond the name Michael. If you get start getting used to that best friend, then when you go into prayer in that identity, there'll be nothing but partnership. There's no request. It's like, oh, how great to have two minutes of complete union. So we can either ask for food and clothing, which our physical bodies need to some extent, right? We need food, shelter, clothing. So the human part of us might pray for those. Or if you want a lot of food, shelter, and clothing, plus a lot of friends and all the other wonderful things, you know, you want to turn on the tap, tap water of grace. The language is, is oneness. So in this five-day workshop, I've just been emphasizing one thing. Change the mistaken identity, and you turn on the faucet. As more water starts to come, as more grace comes, then your faith increases, then you manifest more. As you manifest more, your faith increases even more. That's the way it works. If you want the, the best, best angle, this is called the supreme practice of yoga. Assume oneness. We're not insulting your masks. If you have a beautiful sweater, we're not saying burn it. We're saying that the essence of Michael, beyond the name Michael, is a primordial breath and pulse. And then we go into the meditation room. You're all finding it quite easy to peel off these masks. In other words, when we decide to peel them off, we start to feel very light. Like yesterday when we did the peeling practice, some of you started feeling wonderful instead of feeling that like you've lost everything. Even materially speaking, I'm saying, if you want to turn on the material faucet, the only angle is oneness with this best friend if you want big, big stuff. I believe the most powerful men and women in history have been the ones who've spoken the secret language. Like the Sheikh of Dubai. 2008 crash came, real estate market crashed immediately. Some of the UAE millionaires jumped over their balconies, committed suicide, the whole property market crashed after the US one crashed, within a week. As the crash was going on, Sheikh Mohammed said, I'm going to finish the third terminal of our international airport and add to our harbor. So I think he sold off Emirates Airlines, he sold off a big tower, borrowed some funds from Abu Dhabi, and went on. I mean, he went on, basically he went on. I think I think if you expand your airport on the day that your country crashes that is only possible if you're speaking to another force a human level of courage is not that big you know for John Doe to expand his airport just as his country's crashing you're all in Saint George because you want to learn that language. We're doing Kriya Yoga, we're doing Hatha Yoga, uh, we're dealing with the MS, we're we're dealing with this. But more than a lottery ticket, what all of us want is to learn that language. Because that's 100 times, 10,000 times more than a lottery ticket. If you learn that language, you're in very good shape. And and I believe there are people, I think there are some very powerful people speaking that language. It's a metaphysical phenomenon. And she's made of consciousness. And the the moment you intend to even speak, you're already heard. So the tongue and the lips have nothing to do with it. The question is this. Come back to what Constantine said in the beginning. He said, right now, I'm obeying 20%. And I asked him, what will take it up to 35%? He said, well, I will hear, I will pray, I will hear, I will try some of it, and if it goes well, then I'll take it up to 35%. So then all I'm adding, this is a very wise thing to say, all I'm adding is if you assume that it's complete consciousness, then before you test the results of your prayer, you must assume oneness and faith because she hears the inside of you. And therefore, you cannot test God's responses if you're coming from weak faith because she hears the weak faith. Because at a quantum level, she's made of consciousness. So I was telling you at breakfast, What I call my Lord is a pulse that's pulsing with consciousness and love. It's a metaphysical phenomenon. I don't want to make it dry. And what Jibin is saying is, if your prayers are designed to feed the masks, then you're going to have even more masks. So the best prayer is assumption of we are partners. And then as prayer slips into meditation, the the request for partnership turns into oneness. Prayer is a request for partnership. Meditation is the actual merger and oneness. Uh, What I wish for all of you is constant dialogue with, A kind and invisible friend all the time. You're behind the wheel in the highway, dialogue is going. The other thing is, the one mantra I'd like to give you at the end of Saint George, until we next meet, the mantra is this, take off the mask, take off the mask. Don't say it in an aggressive way, like you're going to the kitchen, there's nine of us, And there's a side of you that, I don't know, wants to over-socialize or or just not be truly you. You're walking into the kitchen, take off the mask. This is not a critical mantra, it's not critical. The minute you say, take off the mask, you feel light, it's like, oh, now the essence. So you you have to know what I'm talking about as you do this mantra. It's not criticism of the name Michael or his nice looking sweater. How do you hear this, take off the mask? It's not an aggressive mantra. And it's short, you know, because sometimes you only have a few seconds. You just have to be careful that, as you say, take off the mask, you're not being harsh on yourself. For example, I like socializing. That's my nature. So when I say take off the mask, I don't want to misunderstand that in, well, go into the kitchen and don't hardly say hello to anybody and say om all the time in the kitchen. So don't use this to beat yourself up. It simply means I'm I'm done with the layers. We're even not saying that you didn't suffer... On one occasion during childhood. We're not ignoring the fact that these have, we're just saying, as far as your essence is concerned, all those stories come off because the only thing we have right now is this moment in Saint George. We have nothing else to work with, despite all those childhood stories. Final thing I want to say I once met an Indian woman in Geneva. Um, a very true woman. And I don't know how we got into this conversation, but she said, she said, I take three and a half to four hours to prepare myself for prayer. And it's the first time I had heard that as a teacher. I said, "Uh, how? She said, well, she said, it's all these layers. And I don't just sit down and pray. She said, I have a ritual to prepare myself for prayer. And so she said, she said, you know, I sit down quietly, I may be doing some things in the house, for about an hour I prepare myself for the prayer session, and then I sit down when I'm true. From the super millionaires, to the generals, to the priests, to us. Everybody's just trying to learn that language. That's the deepest wish of mankind. Once you know that language, you're all set. In other words, you can manifest enough to be very happy and comfortable and uplift others. Everybody wants that language. And I'm telling you, it has to do with waves, vibrations, and consciousness. That force is made of waves, vibrations, and consciousness. Fear, shame, guilt, lower your vibrations. And then what you're thinking all day, right? In other words, no thought goes unnoticed. Yeah, so uh, think about how to prepare one's self for prayer. Because some masks have to come, come off. We're not calling you a liar. We just, all of us, because we have an ego, we have layers of masks. We're not calling you an untrue person. We're just saying there's no limit to how true you can become. Some of you have heard this story. I'll end this talk with this story. Padre Pio was a very, very powerful metaphysical master. He was in the Catholic Church, but he didn't have the stature of the Pope. But his followers, at some point, were higher than the Pope. He couldn't manifest. And an American uh, went to see Padre Pio. By then, there were so many people wanting to see Padre Pio that there were dormitories for people to be received. You know, because there were thousands of people wanting to see. They would go on pilgrimages to see Padre Pio. And the American was told one year from today. And he stayed. He stayed one year in the dormitory and um, the night before the audience he got to see Padre Pio in a, in a big mass with others. That night he packed and he was leaving back for the U.S. So his roommate said are you crazy you just spent 364 days Tomorrow's your day what is this business are you leaving? He said Today, I saw that man, and I realized that I'm not ready for the answers that he's about to give me. What do we mean by that? If you have, if you know a human being that is so pure, they're just like a reflection of yourself. They're just pure love, like a mirror. You might say, uh, hold on, (laughs) I'm going to catch you next year. Why? Because you might not be ready for the purity of that answer. It's a very touching story. He left. He said, this man is too big. (laughs) In other words, you know, be careful what you ask a powerful person because they're going to give you a very loving Honest answer. You and I were having a a fairly blunt conversation yesterday. And it's my duty to have that with you because, you know, uh, if I don't say it, then I'm not giving you all that I have. Sometimes we have to. Sometimes we have to have some conversations that are very honest. So I was sending Hamid yesterday. I think it's a very good for him to openly talk about MS, it's good. And we're all proud of him for the asanas that he does. And then if you talk about MS twice more than needed, then his mind and our mind starts to believe the MS too much. So on the one hand, it's very good to talk about it. On the other hand, if you talk about it two times extra, then you go over this other edge. It's all very fragile. Not talking about it is stupid. Talking about it too much then may condition our minds. Or somebody may feel sorry for him, and he doesn't want to be felt sorry for him. That's awful energy.